Our Old Testament reading for this evening comes to us from the 28th chapter of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, right before this, uh, Jeremiah has been having lots of confrontations with the kings of Israel as he brings to them God's judgment, tells them they're not following God's law. And there is another prophet, this man who will be named here, Hananiah, who's actually been saying, Jeremiah's wrong, everything's going to be just fine. And Jeremiah confronts this situation. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah the prophet in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so, and may the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is from the seventh chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. If throughout the letter to the Romans, St. Paul is balancing this life of the Christian between following the law of God and knowing what's right and also relying completely on the grace of Christ that has been provided from the cross. And so while we, we know that we listen to God and follow his law, we don't rely on our adherence to the law in order to bring us into salvation. St. Paul says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. Thus a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve not under the old written code, but in the new life of the Spirit. What then shall we say? Is the law that the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. I would have known what it is, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, and when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death 
to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for a reading from the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus uh, reveals a, a side of him perhaps that we are uncomfortable with and that he is coming to bring division. Division because there are some who will receive his testimony and some who will not. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to each and every one of you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the most discouraging feelings that we can have is finding out that you were wrong. Usually it's over something that you've been sure of, perhaps for a, a long period of time. Sometimes it's a, it's a minor trivial matter that you look up and, uh, on the internet and find out you were incorrect about a small fact. Or, or maybe it was a, a rather large portion of your life, something that you had counted on actually wasn't what you thought it was. Because we, we rarely cling to wrongness intentionally. Right? If we think something is incorrect, we usually change our way of thinking. Sure, maybe we can get a little stubborn from time to time and refuse to admit what we know to be true. We might live in denial or, fit or refuse to admit we've made a mistake. But that's pride. Pride not wanting to feel that moment of discomfort where you finally admit those dreaded words, I was wrong. This is why 
moral flexibility is such a tempting proposition. Because if we declare a definitive right and wrong, black and white, these things are incorrect and these are correct, well, that might result in some uncomfortable conversations or uncomfortable moments we might have to have as we confront our own idea of good and bad, of right and wrong, or those uncomfortable moments of confronting another person with those realities. So often we would rather remain flexible on our morality because we don't want to draw too fine a line. We don't want to put a line in the sand and have to say, this is where I will go no further. We might have to be confronted with our wrongness if we do that. We might even have to point out where someone else is mistaken if we are willing to make a stand. You know, our Lord Jesus gets that same sort of makeover, perhaps in our hearts, but certainly in our culture. Scripture defines Jesus as kind and gentle. There's even a portion of Scripture that that prophesies him as one who will not snuff out a smoldering wick or who will break a bruised reed. And we get this, this picture of this gentle and kind soul. But what that has done oftentimes is allowed us to picture Jesus as some sort of moral relativist. That uh, he just kind of goes along to get along. Whatever is right for you, he's cool with that. He, He's not here to cause any waves. He's, he's here to bring peace and assurance. Never say anything negative and to never bring up conflict. I always call this Jesus the hippie Jesus. People want that kind of Jesus in their life. A, a, a guy who will just approve of what they're doing. Just say, hey, you know what? I know I said don't tell those lies. I know I said Treat your enemies with kindness, but it's okay, I understand. I'm all right, and you're all right. But today we get met with a rather harsh realization. Because Jesus himself has some words that perhaps we are uncomfortable hearing. In Matthew chapter 10, Matthew records Jesus saying, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. At a surface level, as we read that, it might seem that Jesus describes himself as an instigator. Like he's here just to cause trouble. Set a man against his father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Your enemies will be in your own household. It sounds like he's a troublemaker. 
But he's not saying that he's here just so everyone can fight and argue. What he's saying is that what he brings into this world is not something everyone will always agree with. What everyone will always look at and see it as a good. Because Jesus didn't come into our lives and into our world. He wasn't born into into the family of Mary and Joseph in order to just assure us everything we're doing is exactly the way it's supposed to be. You're fine and I'm fine. Everybody just get along. He didn't come to even make sure we were comfortable or happy. He came to deal with the lethal reality. That because of our pride, because of our selfishness, because of our greed, our rage, our lust, our jealousy, we are a lost people. That we are a people in need of forgiveness. And that's not always easy to hear. Well, we're really good at saying, well, I know they need forgiveness, Lord, whoever they might be. Those people outside of these walls or that neighbor across the street, they need you, I get it. But where it really becomes difficult is when we realize that he's not talking about just them, but me. He's talking about my sin. He's talking about my need to repent, to turn away from what I have done that he has called me not to do or what I have not done that he has called me to accomplish. We repent of our hate. We repent of our spiteful words. We repent of our lustful glances, our shameful discontentment. But it's not easy. It's not easy to look at your life and draw that hard line in the sand and say, I know right from wrong, and I know I need to let go of this grudge I have. I need to let go of these words I say. I have to let go of this thing I do. Because it would be a lot more palatable if I had a Jesus who just came to me and said, You're all right, and I'm all right. Don't worry about it. Because Jesus knows these sins are not the path of life. He didn't come to reassure us in our sin. He came to erase our sin, to forgive our sin, to remove it from our hearts and from our lives. In a world that is increasingly more and more divided about what is right and what is wrong, oftentimes you'll hear people claim things like, well, if Jesus were here today, I know who he would vote for. If Jesus were here today, I know what side of the aisle he would stand on. If Jesus were here today, I know exactly what he'd do. But the fact of the matter is, if we truly looked at Scripture, and saw what Jesus did then, he would do the same thing now. Call us to repentance. Call us 
to grieve our sins and completely rely utterly on his grace, his forgiveness, his love, his sacrifice that he gives to us on the cross. We always think we're right. Because it'd be foolish to know that you're wrong. But in Christ, we see our wrongness. But we also see where he heals those sins. He heals that brokenness. He heals it with his own blood, with his own sacrifice, with his love and his grace. So I think we can say with a certain amount of surety what Jesus would do. Because he's still doing it. He's still calling us to repentance. And still delivering to you and to me that unending grace, that forgiveness, that love that we so desperately need. Because we are not good enough without him. But with him, we are perfect. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.